This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. You are listening to Bingeworthy, the episodic television and long-form narrative conversation on the Playlist Podcast Network. Here's your host, Kimber Myers. Hello and welcome to Bingeworthy, the official Playlist TV podcast. I'm Kimber Myers and today I have as my guest the feature writer for the Playlist, Ollie Littleton. Hi Kimber, how are you? Good, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Uh, Pleasure. So we want to talk today about two shows that uh, have a similar focus or similar characters in that they're both comedies and both are comedies with damaged, broken, self-destructive people at, at their hearts. Uh, first with You're the Worst and then moving into the newer show Fleabag. Um, so Ollie, I feel like you've been one of the big champions of You're the Worst. <laughs> And you definitely came to it. I only started watching it at the beginning of this year, partially because of your great writing about it on the playlist. Can you talk a little bit about how you discovered it and just kind of share a little bit about why people should be watching it? Because not enough people are watching this great show. I was sort of on it a little bit earlier than 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 most, sort of even before it was on, just because the, the pilot was directed by... Um, Jordan Vogt Roberts, who I'm sort of I've I've become sort sort of friendly with through the site, um, and uh, and he's a guy who did a you know we first got onto him because he did a great short at Sundance a few years ago called Successful Alcoholics, which um, stars T.J. Miller and Lizzie Kaplan. And I think it's I think it's online. I think it's still on Funny or Die, um, and it's it's a sort of half hour or so. It almost feels like a pilot. Um, and, uh, you know, it has, it's, it's different writers, but it feels, um, in some ways a sort of forerunner to, to you're the worst in some ways. Um, so we kind of first noticed him on the site through that. And then he made this great, very underrated debut movie called Kings of Summer. And now he's off making this big new King Kong movie with, um, uh, with Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson and people, yeah. um, but um, but I think I'd spotted that he was he was directing this pilot, so I had a kind of you know I had an eye on on it in advance and and kind of made a point to watch it once it once it came on and kind of fell in love with it quite quickly. Like it's uh, you know I'm, I I do have a real soft spot for the kind of romantic comedy genre, um, you know, which is which is often something that's being talked about as something that's that's nearly dead in in the movies because you can't make franchises out of them or it's you know hard to make franchises out of them. Um, but to see something being done so well, you know, and, 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 and so refreshingly like this was, was, you know, was a real, it felt like a real find. And, and I'm glad that people have sort of more and more seem to be getting on board with the show and, and the show's really gone from strength to strength, I think, um, for the most part. How are you feeling about the third season so far? Because you're you're caught up, even though you're in the UK. I'm not. Uh, I'm not completely loving it uh, to the extent that I have previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I haven't been sort of reading people's recaps or anything, so I'm not sure um, to what extent that uh, that you know the, the consensus is on that. Um, but I also, I'm also aware that I, I think I felt that, felt that last season as well. Um, the, the first few episodes were sort of, you know, kind of easing you in a little bit and then, you know, and then it kind of got better and better as it went on. So I'm, you know, I'm reserving judgment. I think they're always playing a long game. Uh, Stephen Falk, who's the creator and, and his writers, you know, stuff stuff gets introduced that doesn't pay off till later in the season, and um, but um, but yeah, how how are you feeling? Yeah, similarly, I really liked 
the first two episodes in the season and now we're four episodes in and I think that three and four were a little less strong than they'd started off or in particular in comparison to last year. Um, just a little less funny. There's not as much of um, Sam and shit stain and honey nuts as I would like, uh, <laughs> who for the uninitiated are the hip hop group that uh, Gretchen, one of the main characters played by Aya Cash, uh, works with. She's a publicist. Uh, and just to kind of give, I should have given a little bit more of an introduction for those who aren't familiar with the show, and hopefully this will help push you toward that. Uh, You're the Worst is about two very broken but very funny people, uh, Gretchen Cutler, who's played by Aya Cash, and Jimmy Shive Overly, who's played by Chris Gere. And they live in Los Angeles. She's a publicist, and he's a writer. And uh, they start off their... Uh, interaction. I don't necessarily want to say a relationship since it does not really start off uh, with that kind of formality. Um, But they fall into this um, wonderful romance, which is really funny and honest and feels authentic and that they're these people who are not perfect and that it isn't about this like meet cute that um, goes well and then there's some misunderstandings and it all um, is wrapped up in a bow at the end, but, um, and then they're really, the whole thing is just bolstered by the presence of Edgar, who is Chris's, uh, excuse me, Jimmy's roommate, um, in his apartment. And he is a uh, veteran who is still struggling with the, uh, after effects of the war. And then also Lindsay, who is Gretchen's friend and, um, I, I don't know if you'll find four more, or I guess three really kind of um, compellingly terrible people. <laughs> um, and then poor Edgar, who's just kind of along for the ride and is providing um, the sense of compassion and humanity that you don't necessarily see from the other three. Yeah, no, he's definitely the sort of the, the moral center of the show. I think my slight reservations with it are, are less about... Um, about the central couple this year um, and more about the side characters in that for me, I think, you know, and again, it's the, the sort of, I think slowly hinting towards the, the direction that it's, it's going in with them. But, um, but both with Edgar and Lindsay, it's gotten really dark. I, I mean, and it's always been like a dark show, but uh, you know, in the first episode of the new season, it, it ended with uh, Lindsay, stabbing her husband um uh who uh paul who is who is a great comic character this sort of incredibly wet kind of um eternally doting kind of um sort of pushover who who is inexplicably devoted to Lindsay, and 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 that was a really interesting direction to take the show in but um and and similarly edgar's sort of who is a veteran and and they're they seem to be sort of focusing on his kind of PTSD uh, stuff. He's, he's come off his meds um, because he was having some sexual issues with his girlfriend, uh, who's played by the, the brilliant Colette Wolfe, um, who, who we, we haven't seen much in the last couple of episodes, if at all. And I, I think that's been a slight, maybe one of the reasons I'm feeling sort of down on it. I think she was such a kind of... Um, such a great addition to the show last year. She's wonderful. Uh, um, I wonder too yeah. if it's she's going to be in a new show that's going to be on ISC. <laughs> I'm wondering if it's just scheduling difficulties rather than um, anything to do with the actual character, which I hope because yeah, the actress is great, the character is wonderful, and it's also nice to have a another voice in the show that's not necessarily in the like terrible people doing terrible things mode as much as I love that it's nice for a bit of balance I think the show often is at its strongest when it's got a sort of uh when there is a straight a a sort of straight man or woman to 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 play off um and uh 
you know, it's what it was. One of my favorite episodes of, of last season was um, one where it, it followed a like a, a, a couple that lived nearby, a sort of older couple. Um, and and for the first five ten minutes of the episode, you didn't see uh, um, Jimmy and Gretchen at all. You just sort of saw this 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 other couple who were almost a sort of ghost of Christmas future kind of vibe um, of of you know what would happen if they if they stuck around and had kids and. And, um, you know, I think sometimes you, yeah, you need to see these characters through the eyes of other people a little bit to kind of readjust them and to sort of get out of that world a little bit. Um, and they sort of had that this year with um, with uh, Gretchen's psychiatrist, who's played by, um, or therapist, I think. They make a point of making the difference there. <laughs> um, but uh, played by... Samira Wiley from Orange New Black, who is um, awesome there, and and I, I've really enjoyed so far. They've used her quite sparingly, but um, but again, it's nice to have someone who who kind of looks at the madness and is kind of going, okay, this is <laughs> this is uh, kind of crazy. But um, I'm, I'm definitely prepared to give it the benefit of the doubt, and and I'm I still you know funny as. Um, you know, as almost anything on TV right now, and I think it's still prepared to go to places that a lot of shows, and particularly comedy shows, don't. Um, like, you know, season two, I think made it so special is that the the second half of it was was kind of looking at Gretchen's depression in quite a, um, you know, in, in, in a way that I hadn't really seen a, a comedy of this kind do. But at the same time, it's not doing it as a kind of, I guess the term is sad. Is, is the term sad com? The term there is was some sad com. <laughs> sort of think piece, uh, you know, and and it's something I just did a big piece on the on the site this week about um, where I, I watched every Amazon show, which yeah. is um, which was a task, <laughs> and uh, and they all seem to have patented that kind of sad com thing. Um, you know, where it's you watch these comedies and you're like, I really enjoy this. This isn't really funny. Um, like, you know, for a lot of them, so, you know, we're going to talk about Fleabag in a second, which which is great and and, and funny. But um, you know, but what I like about the other worst is that is that it's it's hitting these big subjects. And 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 this year we're getting sort of grief because Jimmy's father has died, um, and it's sort of clear that the the ramifications of that are still to come probably i think it's still as as funny as almost everything else on the air right now so yeah i'm i'm optimistic and i'm looking forward to seeing where it where it goes yeah i'm of the same mind and like you like even while it's not on its a game um in comparison to the previous seasons at least so far it's still so much better than a lot of what else is is on tv and um, I think even in the realm of the the sad com, which it does have those elements of of the depression and of, I mean, obviously Edgar's PTSD is not a picnic. Um, all of these various no. elements, um, but it still is really genuinely funny. Um, which, as much as I love, say a a transparent, and think that it's a really wonderful show, for me it doesn't have those real laugh out loud moments that I get from yeah. from You're yeah. the Worst. Um, so it's just, and it's not really trying for that, but. You're the worst is definitely hilarious and insightful and just kind of a perfect thing at the very least in its first first two seasons and I'm really excited to see where it goes from from here and yes more more of her therapist more of the the rappers more um, we haven't even touched so I actually was confused I was looking up while we were chatting um, it's not uh, it's actually not going to be Colette Wolf in the new IFC show. It is Janet Varney who plays Becca. Um, and oh, okay. yeah, and that's uh, so we'll hopefully see her as well. But we didn't touch too much on Becca and Vernon, who are also two really <laughs> wonderful, weird characters in their own right. Yeah, I think Vernon in particular and, 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 um, 
and 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 Becca's always been great. Becca, who's who's the the sister of Lindsay, um, and the 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 ex uh, the ex girlfriend of Jimmy, which I kind of forget. Uh, yeah, she was often what... until they until they bring it back. Yeah, and she was what accidentally brought them together, um, which is uh, they met at at Vernon and Becca's wedding. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think Vernon in particular, as um, you said, really brings a lot of great stuff. Can't find the actor's name. So uh, his name is Todd Robert Anderson. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so no, he's he's great. And yeah, and just brings a kind of different energy to it. And, um, uh, and, and Janet, yeah, Janet Varney's Becca is sort of makes a pretty good argument for, for actually being the worst, I think, like... <laughs> of all the characters there's something that's some almost just a little bit more toxic about her i think because she tries to put on this sort of um this uh this sort of veneer of of um of of being sort of of perfection i guess and then underneath is is just as kind of twisted as as the others i think i have the same issue that i had with the last couple of seasons of breaking bad mm-hmm. going into that into the and i think they split the season but going into the the 6a or, or 7a or whatever it was or 5a mm-hmm. um uh i feel like almost between the seasons walter white had got much worse like had gotten much more kind of evil yeah um like it sort of it, it sort of ended up at a point of of you know obviously he crossed a lot of lines but he hadn't um you know, but he'd still felt like he was the the kind of rounded human being that we that we'd always known. And then I remember coming back in on the season on, on the new season and going, I feel like it's almost like he's become completely transformed into the supervillain and, and they kind of brought in elements of, of of humanity as it went on, but but I remember just being a bit sort of discombobulated what felt to me like a like a shift there. And I think I've sort of had that with with you're the worst this time, where everyone just seems much worse, mm-hmm. you know. And they've always done terrible things, and and it's always been like a, a very intrinsic part of the show's appeal. Um, but it sort of feels like they care about each other a little bit less now. Mm-hmm. Um, even just sort of Gretchen's sort of um, uh, Gretchen's reactions to 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 jimmy and and things um you know to, to jimmy's bereavement um you know there was a very real like love that's developed there and and it just it feels slightly out of character that she's been as sort of cold about it as as she seems to have been yeah but, i think it's just a little bit farther than we'd expect yeah yeah but um, you know, it almost feels closer to a sort of um, whereas it had a very particular tone before, and it almost feels like it's edging into that kind of Jody Hill mm-hmm. sort of vice principles eastbound and down territory. Um, but um, but again, you know, I think I think they're playing the long game, and and I suspect it'll it'll settle in, and and also I you know this may just be a, a particular reaction that i'm having to it and and um and uh you know and, and if i if i did binge watch the entire series from the beginning i'd be like no actually it's like completely in in uh in keeping with um their behavior throughout yeah this is my f- first season not binge watching it and i i agree it might play differently if you you do binge watch it i feel like it's a it's the type of show that really benefits from that type of viewing especially as you see the characters and really just get to live with the characters in that that mode so um, this is definitely an endorsement for binging it which here in the states you can do uh the first two seasons on hulu um and then you can get the new season on fx's app because it's on their offshoot fxx hey there listeners just wanted to jump in here this is your podcast editor eric mcclanahan and just telling you about our other shows on the playlist podcast network of which binge worthy is one of our shows 
Also included are Adjust Your Tracking, Over Under Movies, and the creatively titled The Playlist Podcast, Our Mothership Show. We've also partnered up with awards campaign blogger Gregory Elwood, and he has launched his own podcast called Four Quadrant. So make sure to look for that, but you can find all our shows on the Playlist Podcast Network over at our iTunes feed on the Playlist Podcast or at theplaylist.net. Now back to the show. Maybe this is a good time to transition into Fleabag, which is um, a much newer show. And just to kind of give a quick overview of that, it's available on Amazon Amazon Prime here. And it played on, was it BBC Three? in the uk uh i think it was bbc2 but i would need to check that it it definitely it 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 premiered online first and then rolled out on bbc2 week by week nice um it's a bit like catastrophe and i think it wasn't um amazon didn't develop it Mm -hmm. but it uh but they picked it up from the uk i think um before it was broadcast i think so it's been in the works for a while but um for anybody who's not familiar especially since it just uh, premiered on Amazon Prime here this month, so it's very fresh, and I feel like other than Transparent, it's a little bit tougher to get love on on Amazon Prime, so hopefully people will check this out, but it's uh, a six-episode comedy show um, that's been adapted from a play about a woman named Fleabag, uh, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who also really led um, and created that play. And she's very much at the the heart and soul of this, uh, this show that's about Fleabag, who is a woman living in London, um, who is obsessed with sex who is driven by uh, grief and depression and loneliness and it's a comedy um, but and quite a, a good one which um, I I started watching on a commuter tr- a commuter train going up from New York to Connecticut and I do not recommend watching it in public <laughs> it yeah, gets, no, I can uh, see, I can see. Yeah, yeah, I was like, that wouldn't be a good idea. I was looking around, making sure there were were no kids because, like, the first episode is pretty pretty heavy, in particular on the 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 sex and <laughs> anal sex in particular. Um, so, um, yeah, great great commuter viewing. Um, but other than that, uh, wonderful show. And you, as you were saying earlier, you did a a ranking this this past week of all of the. Amazon Prime shows. Do you want to talk about where Fleabag ended up in that list and why? We 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 ended up putting it number two. Yeah. To um to transparent, which um is partly because if I'm being honest, there aren't that many great Amazon shows mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that, that more will come along. I um but um but it's also just really good. I mean, I I, I kind of I, I I was away when it was sort of airing in the UK, but but caught up on on the BBC iPlayer um, uh, just before it came on and, and on Amazon, and um, and was just kind of blown blown away by it. It's um, a really easy binge um, uh, because it's just six episodes or something mm-hmm. in part, but. but um, but you know, even though it's it's tackling some quite easy, some quite difficult subjects, um, it it feels very you know it feels very just watchable and sort of um, accessible in a way. Um, and yeah, and it's I mean I I've been you know I've heard about Phoebe Waller-Bridge for a long time in in the UK because I remember the reviews for the play and um, she had another show on. Uh, in the UK earlier in the year called Crashing, um, which is has just come on U- US Netflix as well. It's ah. I have to say um, it's not as good in a lot of ways. I think her voice um, her voice was a bit kind of diluted by, by that process. Um, whereas uh, Fleabag is feels like purely her, and and it's a very distinct voice and and. It's not that it's not quite like anything else on TV because you know I think we have seen this this 
wave of sort of sad comms and and you know and she's in the uk she's getting a lot of comparisons to people like lena dunham mm-hmm. um you know she's it's sort of being like oh she's she's the british lena dunham um uh and you know and there are similar territory in some ways um but i think it's just that her voice feels so fully formed i think um and it's it's a sort of it's a rare show that does the kind of Annie Hall thing of of breaking the fourth wall and yeah. and um, and letting her talk straight to the audience, um, but it does it and, and that's so easy to do badly and so many shows have done that badly. Um, but and I think it's partly because she's such a good actor and and is almost able to use it um, to to kind of wring extra laughs out of stuff. Um, there's a there's a weird bit where she sort of flirts with a dog. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and um, and it's just you know throws away these little laughs and uh, you know these little sort of asides to the camera, just a little like glance or something, and and um, and it's enough to really make it um, uh, you know it just it just gives it gives it extra extra gags in a way. But um, but also I think what what's so smart about it is the way that it as you go on you kind of realise more and more that she's not. She's kind of an unreliable narrator, mm-hmm. um, and she, um, you know, what what initially seems like she's sort of sharing her, or, or sort of oversharing her her innermost thoughts, in some ways, but you kind of you you kind of gradually realise that she's not always telling you the truth, and she's not always, um, and you know, and there are certain things that she's keeping from you, and there's a there's a re- reveal in the in the last episode in particular, which which. Um, which I, I just didn't see coming and, and, um, and it really kind of blindsided me and, and, um, and, uh, and sort of turns almost everything else on its head. It's not quite a twist, it's, um, but it has a real dramatic punch to it. Absolutely. Um, it's, it felt, even though I, I saw it coming, um, which I almost never do. <laughs> I saw it coming, but it was still just devastating. And I felt like um, very true to the show and true to the character. And um, yeah, it just really was a, a punch in the gut. Um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. And it's just the, the breaking of the fourth wall makes it, so intimate um i even though she's an unreliable narrator i still feel like we know her very well or think we do um in in a way that's tough to get to in just six half hour episodes i think she's sort of tapping into a particular sort of millennial anxiety and that sort of i guess that that interplay between being a feminist, but also having very particular kind of sexual tastes or, um, you know, and, and also something that isn't as specifically millennial, but the, the, the sort of playoff between the kind of sexual revolution, but, you know, and, and, um, but also, you know, your kind of personal happiness and your, Mm -hmm. and your, uh, mental health in some ways. Um, uh, but I think one, you know, but one of the things that most impresses me is that it's not, it's also not just a, a one woman show, which, which the stage version, I mean, literally was a one woman show, but I think all the other characters are so beautifully drawn as well. Um, and actually what I love almost the most about the show is that even though it's, uh, Fleabag herself is, is obsessed with, um, you know, is, is obsessed with sex and her relationships with men. Um, the show is really much more about her relationships with women. Absolutely. Um, and, and specifically her, uh, um, her sister who's played by, uh, an actress I haven't seen before called Sham Clifford, mm-hmm. um, who, uh, I, th- I think is amazing in the show. Um, and, and, and also in large part with her rela- relationships with her mother and, and, uh, and who who are both dead by the time that the show has begun um and um and you know and it's even now it's so it feels sort of dispiritingly rare to have a to have a show that 
has this kind of focus on purely female relationships um uh you know of of this internally within this kind of genre uh, you know, and particularly sister you know relationships between sisters which i think are so such fascinating territory um and and often such complex relationships in a way that relationships between brothers aren't necessarily mm-hmm. um you know i think there's a there's a kind of complexity to that that and it's so untapped in in so many ways like um i i kind of maintain that one of the reasons that like frozen did so well is that that story feels fresh because it's about this sort of relationship between two sisters um and and i think that kind of tapped into a kind of a, a need for that and a want for that um and even though it, fleabag could and i can't stress this enough could not be any more different from the <laughs> disney musical frozen um, but but in a way there is that you know there is a sort of there is a strange kind of common thread to that no, I totally agree. And that was one of the things, I mean, first after watching Frozen and then watching this, <laughs> I wanted to call my sister and our relationship is very different than the one between Fleabag and her sister, Claire. But um, the core of it still feels very familiar. Um, and I did text her and I was like, you need to watch this show. I mean, not only because it's right up her alley, but because... Like you said, that dynamic between sisters is so rarely highlighted in a show, and here it just feels um, very authentic and and very new in a way that it shouldn't be. Because I mean, how many pairs of sisters are there in in the world? Um, but uh, the other relationship I have to call out because I love it so much um, is her interaction with her godmother who's played by Olivia Coleman, who's just mm. awesome and like wicked and manipulative, but in this very sweet, she comes across as very sweet initially. And I think that that's one of the interesting things too, is how your perception of her changes from her first appearance early on in the, um, in the episodes until the final episode where it feels like a very, natural transition but it is just like this woman is something <laughs> olivia coleman has is has sort of reached the point particularly in the uk now where she's she's reached that jim broadbent sort of status of of she's she's everywhere and yeah. she's a national treasure and um and uh and and you know and, and everywhere you look she's she's turning up in a show but i frankly the more that happens, the the better. I think. Like she's she's so good and everything. Absolutely. Um, and um, and yeah, and just really sort of, it's it's the purest kind of expressions of of passive aggression that I think I've ever seen in in a in a, in a sort of in a film or TV. Really, it's it's um, you know, everything she says is so nice for so long, and like you say, and then but then under it, there's always this sort of you know, I just wish you weren't in my life feeling about her, um, which is, um, uh, you know, so she's she's so great. And she's, she's had a good run. She was, I don't know if you saw, I feel like it didn't get a lot of play in the US, but there's a show called Flowers. No, um, I haven't seen it. Which, something called CISO, which um, yeah. I don't even know what that is, but it's, <laughs> it, it's, um, it's, I think service of some kind um and she's in that she's the she's one of the leads in that and um and again brilliant in that in a very different you know with a with a very different character um but um yeah so no and and i I mean everyone's everyone's great in it um brett gelman who's who's i guess probably more familiar to american audiences than he is to uk audiences um you know he's 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 a sort of improv guy Guy and he's he's done a lot of um he's popped up on a lot of shows you know as, as a guest star and one who i i i find funny but I, I he's someone that like a little bit can go a long way for me sometimes mm-hmm. um i remember he was in a he was a, on he was a regular on, on an fx ship uh, sorry on an fx show uh called married with yeah. judy Greer. 
um, which was kind of an underrated show. But um, but I I just found him a bit big on that, um, a bit sort of um, a bit too much. And and here he's actually nicely understated. He's still kind of playing a he's still kind of playing a Brett Gelman type, but he feels very kind of recognisably human at the same time. And and um, you know he's kind of a shit, but. <laughs> Uh, well, no, he is enormous shit, but um, but you you feel that he's a, he's a rounded person. He's not just a caricature. Um, which, and I think the show, almost my one reservation about the show is that, um, and it's it's I don't think it's the actor's fault. I think it's maybe just some some sloppy direction. But she meets a guy on the bus, yes. um, who, who comes back a little bit. I, I think that. The, the character is literally credited as bus rodent. Um, he is. And uh, he's British, played by this British sketch comedian called Jamie Dimitri, who's really funny um, and is, is, you know, a big kind of a fast rising star. But the character, he feels like he's in a different show from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it slightly threw me. I think it, it as good as that first episode is, that character felt like he's from sketch comedy rather than from this sort of world that the show, which is a sometimes heightened world, but, and, and I don't know, that character sort of just threw me a little bit, like he just felt a bit bigger than everyone else. Um, I don't know how you felt about it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that the show overall (laughs) features these characters who are um, completely believable in who they are and the mistakes that they make. And he just, he did seem a little bit, over the top, both in the character himself as well as in one of the, the obviously the notable physical element of of his teeth, um, hence uh, bus rodent. But um, yeah, I, I just was not my my favorite part of of the show, yeah. which I think I agree is just otherwise really wonderful and feels unique in in the world of tv and its voice and almost the, the flip side of that is is and almost my probably not quite my favorite performance on the show but something that really took me by surprise is there's this um bank manager that kind of pops up throughout mm-hmm. the show um sort of unexpected ways um and he's uh he's played by an actor that oh, he's better i mean I, I mean this in, as no not, but he's 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 a he's a guy called Hugh Dennis who mostly does like comedy panel shows uh-huh. and is sort of known as stand up. Um, he he did act in a show called Outnumbered, which is a, a, this sort of quite sweet little family sitcom. Um, but it was um, he's not really known as an actor; he's known as a guy who goes on kind of comedy quiz shows and, and does stuff. And and he gives this really lovely like dramatic performance that um you know it's 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 very understated and and it's very sad and um and i think it's 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 probably maybe more notable to british viewers just because it's so different to, to everything that he's done this guy's done before um but um yeah i just think and he has this amazing monologue in in um i think what's maybe my favorite episode of the series when which I think is the fourth one when, when she and her sister go on this sort of retreat. Um, it's, sort of, it's not quite a spa weekend, but it's a sort of um, a, a sort of getaway where they're, they're meant to be quiet and work on themselves. And and um, and, and he bumps into to, to flee back there and just gives this really beautiful speech. And it's one of my favourite scenes of TV kind of all year. It was a wonderful <laughs> moment. And having that bit of background that you just explained about the actor really adds a nice dimension to it that I hadn't known before that, that these aren't the types of scenes that he usually does makes me even more impressed by the performance, particularly in that moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and, and I think it's also worth, um, I, I feel like I slightly not, not the, the director there, which is um, a, a little earlier, which is slightly unfair because I think I, I'm just looking up ha- uh, Harry Bradbeard. One of my bugbears about British comedy is that is that it's often just very 
you'll look at a show and, and it feels like it could have been on 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's it's often done in quite a traditional manner and, you know, um, and just looks very visually flat and, you know, whereas, you you know, I think in the US there's, there's been these shows like Master of None, which, which just look beautiful as well as, and I always feel like comedy, sometimes there's a, there's a feeling and you see it on, in movies with people like Judd Apatow and, and, and even Adam McKay, where they're just like, let's not really bother like lighting this. Let's, you know, just want to, you know, we have to shoot 12 alternate takes. Um, I say that with love. I love yeah. both of those guys. Um, but, um, but Fleabag just does feel, you know, it's, it's, it's got a real look to it. And I think it's really well directed. Um, you know, he just, he, he knows exactly where to catch the, the, the little moments and the little sort of, observations um and 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 particularly it almost feels like the camera is in a relationship with 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 uh with fleabag and herself um so yeah so that's nice to see and i and i hope we get more of that just to kind of wrap up what else are you watching and are excited about right now um well i'm i'm i mean i'm behind on everything uh as (laughs) As all of us are, um, and and also I'm in this I'm in this sort of um, sort of waiting point where uh, a lot of the new shows haven't made it to the UK yet. Um, I mean, I loved uh, Atlanta, the, the pilot. I thought that was great, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, I really liked, which I just saw, um, the Good Place. Um, oh yeah, which uh, which in in some ways kind of is is. In a, in a network TV way, it kind of ties in with our kind of accidental theme of, of sort of, um, you know, characters who aren't always doing the right thing and, and the good thing. Um, but it's I, if, if people aren't aware of it, it's, it's the new show by uh, Mike Schur, who, who uh, created or co-created Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's Kristen, a woman who ends up in it's not heaven, but it's called the good place. She dies and, and, and there and, and it, it appears has, has, is there by accident, but she wasn't a very nice person. Um, uh, so it sort of feels, uh, the closest comparison point is something like Albert Brooks is defending your life. Yeah. But it's not all the way that either. It's, it's something else. Um, and it's just, it's, have you seen it yet? I have not. My, embarrassingly my parents beat me to it on this one so between you and my parents both recommending it i feel like i really need to to get on this boat i got i i did get a text from my mom being uh saying oh gosh this fleabag show is quite good isn't it and i was like oh my god it's concerning the funny thing is um, i told my mom i was like do not watch fleabag uh, so um but but there's always that, yeah. that fun surprise of, oh, all right. It's a good place. I think it's it, more than any kind of network, US network show, you know, and it's sort of, it seems like it's going to be talking about kind of ethics and morals and, and that stuff, but with that kind of warmth and, and kind of detail to character that we've sort of come to expect from, from Mike Schur. Um So, yeah, I'm excited to... Uh, I don't know whether I mean Parks and Rec took years to get to the UK, and, mm-hmm. and I think it's literally only in the last month that the whole thing has suddenly has, has come on Amazon. Um, so, so it's sort of people are still catching up on that. So I have no idea if it'll actually um, if if it will make it in any in any sort of serious form. But you know I, what's nice about Netflix and and Amazon these days is that it is a lot more stuff does make it over. Um, faster um so so hopefully it won't be too long before i can watch a bit more of that um and then um so yeah so in it's sticking with the comedy vein i'm i'm enjoying those two and i'm looking forward to transparent i'm gonna get stuck in too soon and uh and actually i'm i'm hearing things about easy which is the joe swanberg mm-hmm. sort of anthology series um uh so um yeah so i'm i'm looking forward to catching up on those and like everyone else i'm i'm you know obviously completely gripped by 
this new series of American Horror Story where the <laughs> this orange this orange man is running for president and <laughs> everyone is completely everyone is completely terrified about what's going to happen and yeah. and you know, take my eyes off it. Um, yeah, I mean, gross. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, it's it's going to be you know the big the big live episode is on Monday night and uh, I'm going to be staying up late to watch that one. Yeah, so, and then um, in terms of the UK, uh, and I hadn't, I, I, again, more, like, more and more UK stuff seems to make it over. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so I hope it will make an appearance, but there's a new show that started this week. Uh, it's, it's a sort of, it's a limited miniseries type thing, uh, and it's called National Treasure, um, which is thankfully not connected to the Nicolas Cage movies. Um, but it is by a writer called Jack Thorne, who uh, is is one of my favourites, and he has done um, uh, he did two really great, um, sadly short-lived shows. One was called The Fades, uh, which is a kind of Buffy type um, sort of supernatural teen thing, uh, which I think is available in some ways in the US. Um, I can't remember if it's Netflix or iTunes or something. Uh, and then another good one called Glue, uh, which is a sort of murder mystery type thing. Um, but he's become most famous this year because he wrote the, the Harry Potter play mm. um, with mm. Rowling, and and so has sort of you know blown up, um, blown up because of that. And he's, uh, I think he was writing the Sandman movie for Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and he's doing his Dark Materials for the BBC. So he's one of the busiest guys out there. Um, but this is a. It's, a, I think, a three-part drama or a four-part drama, um, which stars Robbie Coltrane, who hasn't done TV in years. I mean, in, in I think, almost 20 years oh, since wow. the show. Since Cracker? Uh, since Cracker, yeah. And um, it's, uh, he plays a kind of a beloved sort of TV comedian uh, who was part of a sort of double act, a sort of almost a kind of Hope and Crosby thing. Um, a bit, a bit, but a bit more recent. I, I'm not sure who a better comparison point would be. Um, and he, he's accused of raping a woman, um, and it's uh, it's all sort of talking about the the kind of Jimmy Savile. I don't know how much that made it across to the US, but there was this guy called Jimmy Savile who was this sort of uh, very beloved kind of children's. Uh, TV presenter and and did all kinds of stuff and was a big sort of charity, um, you know, a huge sort of figure in the charity circuit. And then after he died, it emerged that he was a sex criminal of a sort of unprecedented, almost unprecedented nature. And um, and there had been a fairly conscious effort to cover it up by the TV producers and by various other figures. Um, and it then led to this, what they called Operation U-Tree, which was a an investigation into other historic sex crimes, often by famous figures. And um, so a lot of like radio DJs were were tried and in the most case convicted of this stuff. Um, but um, so this is a sort of fictional take on that. And um, it's... Uh, it's also got Julie Walters in it, the great Julie Walters, mm. who plays uh, Coltrane's wife, and Andrea Riceborough is in it um, as as her daughter. And it's you know it's it's such a minefield of a subject, um, uh, you know, to the extent that I, I can't imagine that many writers would want to take it on. Um, it's so far it's done very very well. It's it's beautifully directed and it's. Um, done with the, you know, it, with a a real kind of depth and so far a kind kind of, you know, it's 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 not afraid of the kind of difficult moral questions, you know, that, that a case like that um, comes up with, um, and it's, you know, I think the 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 worry with with a subject matter like that is that. And, and and particularly the telling a story like that is that it, it um you know it risks you know making excuses or um or you know forgetting the victim 
uh, or, or you know the, the real life victims and so far it's it's walking that tightrope very well and very carefully um uh, of of not doing that um you know of, of not sort of trivializing any of it and and um and not going this is a you know there are false accusations all the time and not going this person is definitely guilty it's it's um so yeah it'll it'll whether it can pull off the tightrope walk all the way it'll be interesting to see but um but uh so far it's pretty gripping it's not an easy watch but it's um and very different to everything else we've been talking about <laughs> but um but uh but yeah but but so if it i um I, I don't know any details on, on when it'll be in the um when and if it'll come to the to the us but um but i hope it does because it's 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 particularly the, the the performance by robbie coltrane it's it's a reminder of what a great i think most people just know him as hagrid now and and um, <laughs> it's a reminder of what a great dramatic actor he can be that sounds fantastic and yeah maybe nicely balanced with uh with the good place <laughs> yeah. not to to go too too dark in in one night um well yeah. this is this has been great thank you for yeah. for joining me this week and um if you want to follow ollie on twitter it's uh at ollie littleton which is o-l-i-l-y-t-t-e-l-t-o-n and i'm at kimber myers uh myers with a y at um on twitter but, yeah thank you <laughs> Yeah, I was like, is it, could I just do like Ollie with an I and Littleton with a Y? I was like, no. <laughs> no, it's it's basically the spelling of my name is do the opposite of what you would imagine. <laughs> of like, take the, take the other route and then, yeah. Well, the nice thing it meant that you could get <laughs> at Ollie Littleton on Twitter. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, be sure to tune in to the other Playlist podcasts, and we'll see you soon. Thanks. (laughs)